Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Uh, well, we had to make sure we we got the correct intro because <laughs> there there, were, there was griping. There were complaints. People were angry. I know. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so I can ask you now: Are you ready? <laughs> Born ready, Ben. Born ready. <laughs> so, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. I'm good. Uh, I have my family in town, which is always fun. Don't get to see them often enough. My parents are visiting over from Australia. Um, I, I asked, my mom was listening and she commented on the Apple Watch and she told me to tell you that the reason she's not buying one is because she thinks they look ugly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah, that is a good reason. This is one of the challenges, right? You're trying to design something fashionable and there's no accounting for taste, as they say. Yes. Uh, so, my, yeah, my, my, my wife's is arriving today from, mm. um, from America. It, it, she arrived at my parents' house the, the first day. Um, she's, thanks, Mom. My mom sent it over. Uh, but mine has, is still processing it to ship. So, Yeah, I, I'm months away, but they sent me an email about something happening. So I'm hoping it's not months away, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I, at this rate, you're going to get it for me. and It's going to be... It's gonna be Funny in a quotes sort of way. Yeah, that. There we go. There's our theme for tonight: funny in inverted commas. Yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, so, um, and then the other thing that that's happening. Uh, just a heads up for uh, Strategic members: um, there will hopefully be a new kind of rehauled uh, site, both the site design and also kind of the membership system and and the discussion forum. Um, and so, I've been very busy. Needless Ooh. to say. Very exciting. And I'll, I'll do my plug for you. I get your email every day and it's consistently fantastic. It's consistent, consistently really insightful news on what's happening. So folks listening to this, if you've been on the fence, I highly encourage you to do it. It's awesome. And now that I'll have a, a much better membership system that doesn't log people out at random. Um, uh, so it should be good to go. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, been, I've experienced that a couple of times. But yes, very exciting. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I'm I'm switching to a new. I should probably wait till it actually works well. I'm pretty confident, but um, to, to talk about it. But I'm switching to something that's more of a managed service, and it's mm. definitely more expensive. I mean, there's both a there's both monthly fee and my per transaction percentage is higher because I'm not just paying credit fees, but they're taking a skim as well. Um, but that actually makes me very happy because to me the incentives are lined up much better to have them fixing problems, you know, support all those sorts of things as opposed to buying a one-off sort of package. And then like, what's the incentive to keep, to keep supporting it. Um, so I'm actually beyond the fact that the, I, I like the service. I think the, the features they offer work well for me. They've done some extra, extra work for me specifically to support some, some things I do. Um, I like the business model better, even though it's costing more money. I think, you know, it'll be worth it. Um, because the incentives are the incentives are better. I like that you did an analysis, not just on a feature basis, but on a business model basis. It's it's good to see you're eating your own dog food. No, totally. I mean, I, I certainly try to do that. I mean, I think well, we talked about that. We talked about strategy. Like, I mean, mm. I thought about my target audience. I thought about the business model, and and yeah, and I think this is actually something that I did mess up. But it's hard to say I messed it up because in one respect, like I was, I mean, I was bootstrapping at the beginning, and so mm. buying something for like a hundred bucks or whatever that. That had low fee, that you know didn't have, charge extra fees and stuff made sense at the time. Mm. And but the, actually, a mistake I made though is I bought too much based on the feature list before, and I think that I've been kind of paying the price for the last year. And in it hasn't been as reliable or as well done as I would have liked. And there's lots of hacks and workarounds, and it's cost me a lot of time, frankly, just doing support. Um, but now I'm ho- hopefully rectifying that you know once and for all. Well, fingers crossed, and good luck with the launch. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. So, on the subject, <laughs> on the subject of someone who who might not have been born ready, <laughs> why don't we talk about what you wrote about today? It was a little bit contentious. Yeah, it was. Uh, someone someone uh, tweeted me on Twitter that um, something to the fact that that they've never seen me weigh the smack on that effect. Um, and I'm like, and I told him, I'm like, yeah, that's true. And frankly, I didn't particularly enjoy it. So mm. um, basically, my, I wrote today that I, I think that Twitter needs a change in leadership. And, um, and as you know, because I, I talked with you yesterday, 
uh, like it's one thing to believe it. And I do believe it. And um, I think it's true, but it, it, it it, it wasn't, it wasn't fun to write and it's not fun to write. Um, and I was very angsty about writing it. Hmm. Well, I, I think I, your, your reticence in writing it came across. And I, I think the fact that you feel like that only speaks to the fact that, that perhaps it was indeed the right thing to write, but do you want to, do you want to lay out the thesis a little bit? Sure. And, um, and I, I'm glad that you felt that came through. Um, obviously, you know, you're biased by <laughs> having talked to me, but no, it's absolutely true. Like I, it's, I, I'm not out to write a, a hot take to get quicks, um, mm. along this, along this regard. And, and then the other thing is I wrote about Twitter just a couple weeks ago, so I didn't want to write about it again. Mm. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I went back through a lot of the stuff I've written about Twitter over the last two years, and I linked um, a few, several of the pieces at the at the bottom of this one, just to kind of reiterate that, like, you know, I'm coming from a a pretty consistent place, I think, um, and a lot of the stuff that I've written previously and been concerned about has, in fact, come to place. Mm. So I'm not responding to one bad earnings report or you know, kind of flipping out about this. I think. I've had concerns about Twitter's approach and strategy and understanding of its product for a very long time. Um, I think I've, I feel I've given the company and its leadership the benefit of the doubt. Um, but at this point, um, and I think with these earnings, we're starting to see uh, the probably more probable, but also bad scenario kind of start to come mm. to fruition. And given that, you so it's not like this is out it's out of the blue in the sense that twitter didn't predict it it's not out of the blue in from a strategic analysis perspective mm-hmm. like if you sit back and you analyze twitter and where they're at the market and how they monetize and they're them relative to the competition what is happening is not a surprise and it's from that basis that you know that this comes from um like so i and i hope that i hope that was made clear yeah it was but but before we dive into What's new for those folks who haven't necessarily followed along on uh, all your articles or perhaps haven't listened to the podcast previously? Do you want to just give us an overview of why, from a strategic perspective, you think Twitter's approach over the last few years has been flawed? Well, the 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 fundamental issue with a social network, um, anything ad supported in general, but I think you know I think it's particularly cute the social network is. Nothing matters more than the number of users you have. I mean, obviously, stuff like tracking, all that stuff, like, but that kind of comes with the territory mm. of being a social network. Um, you need to have a certain number, uh, a minimum number of users, and and this is for sure an area of how the world has changed. Like Twitter reports three hundred million active users. Um, for that sounds like a lot. For one, I think that number is rather inflated. To be honest, I I, I put some of the problems with that number in a footnote. And that was, I, I would say my critique of the number was actually conservative. I think there's reason to suspect that the number of actual users is much lower. I mean, think, think about all, just like in, in the, in the footnote I talked about, uh, like, do you have Twitter connected to your Instagram account? Yes, I do. Right. And if you, if, if you, and so that is likely counting as an active user, especially if you post it, it, with Instagram, it might be, if you have to actually post, you have to actually send it to Twitter, mm-hmm. but there's lots of services where, um, if you've ever, logged in with Twitter once that service will keep pinging Twitter and you're being registered as an active, as an mm. active user, even if you never go to Twitter. Oh, right. Or, or like you're in Instagram and you click the post to Twitter button and click share. And even if you're never going near the Twitter application and all Twitter is, is just a, a rehash of your Instagram feed that counts as an active user. Right. And that, that's okay. Cause you are actually, you know, you, you, there is activity on Twitter. Like that's okay. It's more, there's other, like, for example, um, last, last quarter Twitter reported their user numbers were, were simply down. I'm so I think we've got to talk about this, but, and one reason was that I, Apple made a change in iOS and they're like, Oh, it was a one-time thing, blah, blah, blah. And they totally, they totally kind of mischaracterized what was happening. Basically in iOS seven, if you logged in with Twitter at any point, you know, if you log in with the app or log in the operating system, because they, they're, they're synced up in iOS, um, what would happen was Safari had like a reading list, like behind, you know, it was like one of the tabs and like you had to click over. It was actually pretty hard to get to. And it kept refreshing your Twitter feed. 
And so what happened was all these people who had ever signed into Twitter once on iOS were being counted as active users, even if they never opened the app again. And what happened was in iOS 8, Apple disabled that. So now Safari stopped pulling Twitter, um, you know, in the background. Mm. And suddenly Twitter's numbers dropped by like 4 million or 6 million or something, something like that. Wow. And Twitter's like, oh, we had a one-time thing. Actually, no, what was actually happening was those were never real users to begin with. Like Twitter it. had been overstating it. And the problem is um, by all, you know, it's hard to know how many of these services there are, but I think most people agree there's a lot of them um, where if you've ever signed in or connected your Twitter account once, that service may still be, you know, pinging your Twitter account and being registered as an active user, even though it doesn't count. Right, um, so they're like zombie users. Right, and that's and the, and so the zombie users. So those are probably the most egregious. Then there's also the I mean the spam accounts. Obviously, Twitter says they're about five percent. Um, uh, depends on the, you know we'll see how they define spam, of course. Um, but then there's also there's also just the auto blast accounts, right? Like mm. strategy.com. Like I send out tweets, like and so I I mean I personally regularly control and use four to five Twitter accounts. Most of them just broadcasting. And of course, I'm an extreme user, but I mean, every news organization on the planet has a Twitter account. The New York Times is like 100 Twitter accounts that are mm-hmm. each tweeting out for different categories. And uh, yeah, it's not for 300 million. It's a small percentage, but you start adding up all these small percentages and um, the questions about the size of that number get kind of bigger and bigger. And just to go again, to go back to first principles, you said earlier, social network, one of the most important things is this, the number of people that are on it. Why is that important? Well, um, so there's, I think we get into the discussion of, you know, we've talked about direct, direct response advertising mm. and, uh, and brand advertising. And I, I, the total number is more important when it comes to brand advertising, um, which is more about, uh, you know, <laughs> you used to call it TV kind of like more of a spray and pray sort of thing, but, um, but it, it is targeted, but it's more, again, it's more about just getting the impressions and building brand affinity. And Facebook is doing, in particular, is doing a lot of work to try to track that exposure all the way to purchase. And Twitter certainly is nowhere close to that. But but in general, for brand advertising, they, they're looking for an efficient spend. And by efficient, I mean not just the return. I'm not talking about the return they get on their spend. That's part of it. It's also the time they spend actually making the purchase, right? Um, and that's why a big reason why TV continues to dominate brand advertising is even though the attention keeps dwindling, like it's still the most effective way to reach a lot of people in a short mm-hmm. amount of time. And the issue is when it comes to social networks, just taking only the U.S. social networks, leaving aside Line and WeChat and all, all the other ones, um, Twitter is currently fourth in the U.S. behind Facebook, Facebook Messenger, and Instagram. Um, you know, you wonder why we think Facebook's killing it. Uh, and probably by the end of this year, they're going to be behind Snapchat. Snapchat was at 200 million in December, but that was up like hugely year over year. Mm. Um, and they show no signs of slowing down. So if you're the fifth most popular network from a brand advertising perspective, at what point do you just not become worth the trouble? So it's so the, the reason for the, the number of users on the network isn't necessarily from a user perspective and the value of ha- just from the user perspective of having other users on the network. But it's more from the advertiser's perspective and being able to reach a certain number of people because you only have a certain amount of attention to dedicate to like, I'm going to put ads on TV and I'm going to put ads on the newspaper and I'm going to put ads on Facebook. And after a while of all running all these different places to put ads, you're like, well, I'm just not going to reach enough people. So I'm not going to bother with the rats and mice down the end. Right, exactly. And and especially as you have, you know, like Facebook expanding out like its, its ad offerings onto third-party apps and, and websites and stuff like that. The the value of doing one or the other, it, it just gets easier to just consolidate your your buying. And this is like, this is an underrated thing uh, about Google, right? Right, Like you can, especially when it comes to display advertising or, or actually any sort of advertising, they have so many ad offerings and they're all integrated together. And you can just do one big purchase, not just search marketing, but also um, double click, you know, um, uh, the, the, uh, AdSense, like, and you can manage it all in one thing and all the reportings together. And it's all, it's just a much more efficient way to advertise. Mm. And given the fact that, you know, you're actually, your return per user is so small as it is like that, that's important. Like it's like a, it's like the cost basis for advertising. 
And if you can keep that down, you're going to re- increase the ROI in your advertising. And and being small is 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 problematic in, in that regard. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to like that's why Bing suffers. No one, no one really goes. No one uses it. Well, not enough people use it, so advertisers don't want to go there, right? Uh, yeah, I mean that that's that that's definitely a part of it. Um, the other thing, and then the, the other the other thing is direct response ads, and this was actually where. So my my biggest concern, or one of my bigger concerns for Twitter, is they're not going to really like their brand ads seem to uh, perform pretty well, and that's the part of the company that keeps you know providing most of the revenue. Um, the direct response ads, on the other hand, uh, these are the ones that really fell off this quarter. Uh, and the and and Twitter gave two reasons. One was that advertisers were. Uh, large advertisers didn't want to spend the money to scale. So basically, um, you know, if you want to reach a certain number of people, you have to pay a certain price, you know, usually at, at, at an auction. Um, and they didn't want to go up above, like they had a price in mind. They weren't willing to exceed it to reach more people. Basically. Mm. Uh, the, the, the problem with that is I'm not, that, that seems to be a condemnation of the Twitter value of the value of these ads. Right, like they have a specific price in mind, presumably relatively low, that they're not willing to succeed, even if it lets them reach more people. Um, you know, we already know that Twitter's, you know, Twitter's ads are much cheaper than Facebook ads, things like that. And and the other thing, and you add that with number two, the number two issue was uh, um, Twitter in changed. They said, oh, we we changed some of our direct response ads to be instead of a cost per engagement, where if you open a tweet or you star it or you retweet it or you click on the link to a cost per action, which is just clicking on the link. And theoretically, this should make the ad more expensive because you're getting someone further down the funnel like they 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 care enough to click. And that means they're going to get on your website or on your app or into the app store to download your app. Uh, But Twitter said the price of the ads didn't increase enough to compensate for the decreased number of actions. The sorry. No, the problem with this is they, um, they actually started instituting, uh, quick per action last summer. Um, and so they should have had data on how they performed relative to quick per experience. And this is why it's concerning that Twitter itself's Twitter's forecast, it's internal forecast that they gave to investors three months ago was so off because they should have had enough data to predict this, but something happened where these suddenly perform started performing even worse. And then Twitter said later on that app install ads were a particular pr- problematic point. Um, and the issue with app install ads, sorry, I'm kind of modeling here, but is those are some of the easiest ads to measure, right? You can know someone clicked a Twitter install ad, they downloaded usually a paperback game, but it could be lots of mm. stuff. And you can track very finely exactly how much your acquisition costs are, how much you're getting from those users. And those are the sort of companies that will for sure have a price they're willing to pay per user, right? That mm. they're not going to exceed. And this suggestion then is that direct response ads from Twitter don't work very well. So one, direct response ads don't work very well. That's kind of the insinuation here. And two, brand ads do seem to work well, but I don't see a long run future for brand ads on Twitter without more users. So they're kind of stuck in a catch 22. Yeah. When you, when you mentioned the direct response ads in the, in the light of the um, app manufacturers or the, the app creators, and you think about these, some of these game creators, they have very, very detailed analytics on lifetime customer value, which then feeds into how much they're willing to pay to acquire a customer. And it suddenly, it suddenly, explained why these guys would have such a firm and hard ceiling for how much they're willing to pay. It's kind of concerning that that they feel that they've reached that ceiling with direct response on Twitter because, I, I mean, they are extremely rational and analytical in terms of how much they're willing to spend for, on ads. And it kind of suggests that, that, yeah, these Twitter direct response ads are just not working. Well, the, the, and the other thing is, I mean, so direct response theoretically should be less impacted by a smaller user base because you're you're presumably finally targeting it and still reaching the exact people you want. Right. And you're getting a very clear, like you can measure the return much better. Mm. Um, so, but one, it's problematic that you're not getting the return. And two, I, I do wonder, particularly for app install ads, especially for games, um, I mean, not to sound uh, 
whenever you start a sentence not to sound, it's probably problematic, but um, <laughs> not to sound like elitist or smarmy or anything, but like one does wonder if these sorts of pay to play games that, huh. you know, they don't make money on 98% of people, but two, one person spends $50 and another guy spends $500 and pays for the whole cohort. Are these people even likely to be on Twitter? Given That's the really fact that point. Twitter is, is already such a diff, you know, a problem, a difficult you know, well, well I mean, use. right. I, I mean, I, I, I guess a different way of framing that is the person who's going to spend a hundred dollars on a, on a, on one of these games more likely to be on Facebook or more likely to be on Twitter. Yes. Um, and, I, and it's not, and it's not just that Facebook is easier or whatever. It's that everyone's on Facebook. Right. And so of course he's going to be on Facebook because everyone's on Facebook. Um, and so even leaving aside any insinuations about, you know, these sorts of people, um, just the, the numbers suggest there's going to be a lot more of them on Facebook than on Twitter. So, so, uh, you think about, uh, a social network and fundamentally they're going to make money off advertising and the direct response, which you think Twitter would be quite good at, given they have so much information on the interests of its users seem to be dropping off the brand approach, which seems to be performing quite well, uh, is, is, is doing okay, but it's going to be fundamentally limited by the volume of users on the network, which seems to be declining. What not, do you do not, now? Not, it's well, not that's unfair. Yeah, it, that it's is growing, unfair. but it's growing slower than than lots of other alternatives. That's the issue. It's not growing fast enough. It's not getting fast enough. Right, and getting thing, big fast enough. And the, one more thing on the direct response thing. Like in mm. general, there's people aren't particularly happy with Twitter's, Twitter's targeting capability or their measurement capability. And, and so it's, it's, it's another, and so basically Twitter, despite the fact that the company has existed for almost nine or for nine years now, like hasn't built sophisticated tools around this sort of offering. Um, And so, which kind of, to my mind speaks to a, an execution question, particularly if the same person has been in charge for the last five years. Right. Uh, and particularly given the focus on monetizing as opposed to user growth, right? Right, exactly. So, so the the issue. So, the, my big big red flag with Twitter. So, my first big red flag with Twitter was that they just seem to make no progress in in increasing their their new user their onboarding flow, new user stuff for years. Like they literally had the same homepage for like four years. Like the you know the picture of like people playing cricket in front of the pyramids, like and or people drinking on the rooftop at a party. Like they had the, that was the homepage and that's all it was. And you had to sign in or create an account. And it was like that literally for years. And I, I don't like when it's, it's been obvious for just as long a time that Twitter has an onboarding problem and a new user problem. Like it's been apparent for, for several years now. And I don't understand how the company wasn't iterating on that on a, on a practically weekly basis. Like they should have been a B testing uh, different homepages, different login flows, constantly for years now like and so i've been concerned deeply concerned about the company for that reason um for a long time i don't know what they're doing like the problem has been clear and the response to it has been completely lacking uh now and it was like oh they they instituted they introduced like well a logged out page and 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 in timeline they did that in the last three months what's been happening for the last four and a half years nothing and and so that's problem number one then problem number two is over the last six to nine months, Twitter started talking a lot more about logged out users visiting their page. And, oh, all the people across the web that happen to see a tweet, whether it's embedded or whatever, and we're going to reach them. The problem is you're going to reach them with what? Like the, the entire value of advertising, digital advertising in particular, it's not just reach. That Like I just talked about reach and being able to reach a lot of people. That's fine. But if all you want to do is reach a lot of people, you don't care about targeting, then go to Yahoo. Like the TV. Yeah. No, but if you, if you want to do it online, you want to whatever, Mm -hmm. like that's exactly what Yahoo is. It's the reason why Yahoo's still in business. They can't target. They don't know anything about the users like, but they exist and they muddle along because they have a ton of people visiting their sites every day. And, and last I checked, that's not something that I think Twitter should particularly aspire to yet. That's exactly what their strategy has seemed to kind of pivot towards. They keep talking about all these users that aren't logged in. And the problem is the value for Twitter. What makes Twitter potentially a valuable company is 
knowing these users and knowing their interests and what they're interested in, all those sorts of things. And and Twitter, it, it feels like they've given up. Like they realize we can't get more users, so let's just try to reach everyone. And it's like, it, I don't. I, I, it, that bothers me. Maybe it's maybe it's rational. Maybe it's impossible to get new users. But given the fact that you didn't really try for four and a half years, how about we give it an honest try before we completely give up on the idea? Hmm. I, I it is pretty much impossible to argue with that either of those statements. So then, so then last quarter, um, they had like. I thought the results were bad and they were bad because the user numbers were one way down of uh, the growth again. And two, there was this safari thing, which kind of, it, it was kind of one of those things where it felt like the tip of an iceberg. It's like, wow, if you, if you just boom, lost like 4 million people because of this, how many other, how many others are there that are like this? Right. Uh, but yet the stock went up, people went crazy because Twitter showed good revenue growth. And, and the problem with that, though, is in the long run, at the end of the day, advertiser numbers and revenue growth are inextricably tied to the number of users you have and how much you know about those users. And and it's been clear Twitter doesn't have enough users. And two, it's increasingly clear that they don't know enough about those users and they're kind of giving up on trying to know more. And so I, I I'm... I guess I'm surprised the collapse happened this quickly. Um, and so that's why I, I wouldn't have written the article two weeks ago. If I suspected it was going to happen this quarter, I would have saved it. Um, but given the fact that one, I think this is predictable. Uh, it was inevitable at some point. And now that it's happening, like I don't see, like I, I feel like there needs to be, there needs to be a change. Okay. I so, mean, well the, the, well, the issue is, and people, well, people will say, um, oh, well, you know, look at all the changes that happened in the last six months. You got to give them tr- time, you know, give the leadership time to execute their plan. Again, the, the problem, though, is there's there's that may be true and maybe the plan is a good one. I, and I don't think it is, but maybe it, it, it is a good one. The, the problem is there's 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 three big problems here. Um, one, I disagree with the strategy. <laughs> uh, like I, I as I articulated in what Twitter might have been and, and this week, I think Twitter I think Twitter needs to pursue an orthogonal strategy to Facebook. And what I mean, Facebook, like Facebook is all about keeping people on the Facebook properties. And that's fine. It works very well for them, exactly what they should do. Um, I think Twitter's opportunity, and you think about it, like what makes Facebook so easy for people? It's not just that the product is easier to use, although I think it is. It's also that the idea of connecting with people I know in the real world, connecting them online, is a very obvious sort of thing, right? It's it. There's not a lot of education or training required to help users understand your value proposition. Mm-hmm. The thing with Twitter is much more difficult. Like no, no question, like Twitter is harder, and it's harder because the value is what you're interested in, right? Like you and I met on Twitter, and and look what's happened to this. And I think that. Yes, we might be an extreme example, but the idea that you can connect with people all over the world that share your interests, like this is something that I think is incredibly powerful, but it's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to figure out how to do that. It's a new, like Twitter is an internet, uh, the sort of company that could only exist on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. What's the what's the offline analogy to Twitter? Like a chess club maybe, like, but, but writ large, like it's, and even it, it, it's a lot harder to figure out because it's a generalized sort of thing, right? It's not like there's chess, like a specific chess Twitter app. Mm. Um, and so, so, whereas Facebook, the analogy is like a Rolodex or a phone book, right? It's, it's, you can see how it directly maps to the offline world. Twitter is something completely new, which means it's harder, which means you have to explain it better, which means you have to know your product. As I wrote a year ago, I don't think Twitter even under the current leadership really understands their own product. Um, but that means you need a different kind of strategy and a different kind of approach. And you also have different kinds of opportunities. Like I, it sounds stupid. And I think Twitter has been hurt by the constant comparisons to Facebook because they're clearly not Facebook in, in all respects. At the same time, I actually do believe the potential for Twitter or a Twitter like service is incredible. It's to kind of reorganize people and the way they interact and align and to do so in a way that it's like a it's like a click down on someone, right? If I know you, James, I know who you know and 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 that sort of stuff. I can infer a fair bit about you, but if I know what you're reading and what you're interacting with and what gets you what what you respond to, 
uh, like I know you at a deeper level in a way that I think is very appealing from not to be crass, but from a monetization standpoint. So like even stepping back away from advertisers for a second, if I was to think of a service that represented the internet, Twitter is the closest to that representation that I can, that I can imagine. This idea that there is a constant stream of information that's not just accessible to your friends, but accessible to anyone that's connected to the network. And at any point in time, you can stick your finger in the stream and see what's happening. Like I, I remember this time last year, there was an earthquake in the Bay Area and my in, immediate reaction was jump on Twitter and check earthquake. What happened? Like find out what people are saying. And I was sitting there watching in real time as the tweets streamed in, people reporting various things, seeing pictures. It's just that service, like that service is the embodiment for me of what the power of the internet can be. And it is so frustrating to think, I mean, you the number you quoted in in uh, the piece that you wrote today, something like 700 million abandoned accounts. Like the idea that there were 700 million people who were interested in gaining access to that because for one reason or another and because they have done such a bad job of onboarding, of like making it easy for people to use, that they've lost that many people, that that stream of information on the internet is reduced by that amount that amount. It's just so frustrating to me. So I, 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 I think you're exactly right. I love the way you're taking this because I, I said um, last week I wrote about Facebook, Facebook in the feed. And I, and I said, there's absolutely like people comparing Facebook to AOL is actually totally fair. Um, it, it is the way people access the internet on, on their phones. And, but I, I argue that Facebook uh, has a much more defensible position than AOL because I talked about what happened to AOL was the core utility of AOL disappeared, which was dial-up, right? Mm, Once you got broadband access, uh, you were, like, it didn't have enough inherent value to keep people there Mm. as opposed to what, like, when you were in the 90s, at least in the U.S., like, everyone just got, like, oh, this new internet thing, get AOL. Of course, you're, like, 47 discs sitting in your house, so it was super (laughs) easy to do. I know, incredibly well executed, honestly, like, the way way that they handled it. and I asked at the end of the piece, like, uh, what will be the broadband to to Facebook's dial up? Like, what will what is fundamentally sort of um, obviates the the role, the core function that Facebook is is providing? And again, it sounds almost stupid given how much Facebook is just demolishing Twitter. Like 79% of social shares are from Facebook and 3% are from Twitter. Um, There's no one Pinterest. Crap. I forgot to include Pinterest in my article. I don't, I don't remember how many active users they are, but a, it might be more than Twitter. Um, B, B it's more compelling for advertising. Probably particularly given their strong uh, demographics, how many women are on the service. Like if you want to reach 50% of the population, it's, it's, that and Facebook are the, are, are the two games in town. So actually, Twitter might be sixth in the U.S. Um, uh, the like, but think about it. What was what was broadband relative to AOL? AOL was this controlled environment where where everything was self contained. The monetization was contained. The uh, what you saw was contained. Like that is Facebook. Facebook, all the ads are on the service. They send you out to there. Yes, they're extending ads to other places and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's all about the Facebook properties. Mm. Um, and you think about this, this at the end of the day, what in retrospect was clearly Twitter's undoing, in my opinion, was Twitter was wrong to ever try to pursue a Facebook type model. They are a protocol. They're in open, like they're, they're about openness, as cliche as that is. Mm-hmm. And when they shut off the door to third party developers and yeah. they try to bring anything in, in on board mm. from a short-term perspective it made sense you're getting you want to ipo soon you need to monetize from an understanding of the role your company and service plays on the internet it was absolutely 100 the wrong thing to do and that is what is handicapping them fundamentally today so it's funny uh, 
two things are coming to mind. The first is the last time I really felt like the the service in general had the potential or was or, or, or it had some chance of reaching its potential was back when third-party developers were figuring out ways to take all this information and present it to users in a way that was intelligible and fun and understandable. And Twitter's mobile app relied on that. They ended up purchasing one of the app providers, right? Like they yeah, couldn't... No, they, no one used Twitter until like Twitterific back in, back in 2006 first came out and then it was on the iPhone. And yeah, Twitter was just had a website, which sucked. Right. And, and so they, they had that potential there. Like the, 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 just by virtue of providing the underlying service and letting people into the stream and then letting developers, other people sit on top of the stream and interpret the stream and present the stream in ways that were more intuitive. It was, it felt like it was, it was not just cool. There was this cool underlying service and all that information, but it was starting to become intelligible and understandable and, and different. And, and the, the third party providers as small third party app providers, as small as they were, were making intuitive and cool designs. And I still rely on Tweetbot, which was, I mean, I, uh, from ages back. But the second point that relates to this is something that I, I think it's, I think part of the issue that I have with what Dick Costello has done is that it's gone, he, he has run the company or he's pushed the company in a way with his focus on, on um, monetization and revenue and closing it off in a way that is contrary to what the culture was before he arrived. And one example of this was Ev Williams, uh, a month or so back, wrote a piece around open versus closed and how there's always this assumption that open wins um, because of the way that broadband internet played out, but maybe that's not the case. And I feel like that principle is deep within Twitter. And the, the way that Costello has pushed the company has not been consistent with that. It's been to close it off. It's been to, despite the fact you have all this amazing information being um, created by all these people, it's not being allowed, like third parties aren't allowed to come in and take that information and present it in a way that's compelling in ways that Twitter couldn't even imagine. This is, I mean, this is so powerful too, because what is Mark Twitter, you know, throughout its history is this incredible internal dissension and squabbling and political backfighting and and what you're kind of hinting at at a very kind of deep sort of level and almost from a company perspective a subconscious level if if that's even something that exists is the company has been at war with itself mm. not just people fighting but like the nature of the company versus its business model this is why it's so problem like your business model is destiny like your business model has to align, not just from a mm. how you make money perspective, but from everything deep within your culture. I mean, not to use the cliche Apple as an example, but the thing with Apple is they their culture is deeply focused on creating the best possible products, which is perfectly aligned with a business model that's about charging a premium. Right. Those two things go hand in hand and you have that sort of alignment like you cannot discount the power of money and of incentives and Twitter's mm. money focus and incentive focus are are orthogonal to the, the value the service provides and the potential that it has. Right. Yeah. And that's and that's why it's OK. Almost in a way, this is interesting. Like I've talked about Twitter doesn't know what their own service is and they don't know how to innovate on it. But that that actually if you open it up to third parties, so much on Twitter came from third parties at replies, hashtags, retweets. All this started out with third parties and users figuring it out. And that actually fits if you think about Twitter being the Internet. Right. What no one came along and had a the whole power of the Internet is that it or it arose organically like an accident. Like no one, if you started out the top down vision of the internet, it would look nothing like it did today. Right. Right. And that's powerful. And that's why it's so amazing. It's also why it's problematic, why you have security flaws and why no one can make money on it. Right. And, um, and, but, but that's that you're right. Twitter is like the internet and they're trying to impose an AOL business model on a company that is the open internet. And so as frustrating as it's been to, to see that, the way that that it's performed over the last little while, as frustrating as it's been to see, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more around your point around they had that same that same homepage up that could have been 
for any service since 2012. It had no explanation of what was going on and someone had to be really committed to go through this process of understanding. Well, not just that, actually signing up like helped, didn't help you at all. Like right. it was, oh. Yeah, I, I mean, it, d- despite all that, like if you think about, if you if you think the analogy holds true, then the, there is still so much potential if they go back to their roots because like that power of letting a thousand flowers bloom is just like that's so incredibly powerful no the potential is absolutely still there not just that but i mean the reason they did this because they needed to figure out a monetization model because they you know there's a lot of pressure ipo they've been around for a long time Mm. um but the funny thing is is twitter's actually taken some really smart steps around monetization that would make sense for this uh the biggest and most important being their purchase of mopub um back in 2013 i wrote about the time like this is this is it. This is exactly right for Twitter. What they need to do is they need to use their service to get signal about users, to understand their users, and then use Mopub to basically monetize everywhere but Twitter, right? Monetize on in, inside other apps, monetize on third-party websites, like be AdSense. And, and that's the way that their model, like, so you, you collect all this information about users and then you, and then you actually monetize elsewhere. And what, and the thing is, is um, one, that, Value proposition has actually gotten stronger over time. Uh, Twitter made another interesting ap- uh, acquisition a couple uh, last year. It was basically a native advertising company that helps services insert native advertising, which I've talked about. I think is is more powerful, particularly on mobile. And you know the fact that return advertising is about scale, and Twitter could basically help all these services and all these apps and all these websites monetize, right? Mm. As a counter to Facebook. We talked about what is the what is a publisher to do in response to Facebook? Like Twitter should be standing there saying, you keep it in your app, you keep it in your website, we'll help you monetize. Screw those Facebook guys. Don't give them the crown jewels. Mm-hmm. Right. And we'll like we as the collective rest of the internet will be a counterweight to to Facebook. And and it was funny is they have the pieces there. And like a year ago on Twitter's first earnings call, which was also a disaster, uh, Costello spent most of the call talking about Mopeb, Mopub and the potential. So, but then it feels like what the first call they talk about Mopub, all about Mopub. The next call they didn't mention Mopub a single time. And it feels like they got all this pressure from Wall Street after that first call. The stock plummeted, and they they they. They gave up on what should have been the vision and pursued short-term gains. And it's been all about short-term gains in this Yahoo-type model ever since. And that and that gets at the crux. Like It's not just they had the wrong strategy. It's that they had the, the hints of a better strategy, and they gave it up under pressure and understandable pressure. The, the crux of the issue is that Costello has no credibility. He has no credit. It doesn't seem like he has credibility internally because the way the product has progressed and the, all the infighting and the lack of execution, like it, it's obvious enough from outside without even hearing horror stories from inside. Mm. Number two, he doesn't have credibility with developers. Like if you want to build this open internet model, like you need to repair the incredible damage that was done previously. And number three, he clearly no longer has credibility on wall street, not just from a year ago, but especially after this miss, like, and you, you can't come back from a credibility gap like this. You just can't. He's in, seems to be a nice guy. I've met him. He's been kind to me. Um, but it, this isn't about him as a person. It's about his having the essential capabilities to function as a CEO. And one of those capabilities is credibility. And that's gone. Okay. So so you talked about three things. Credibility with three different groups. Uh, I, think, I think there's value in unpacking that given, given the complaints that um, – that we've we've leveled at the service and how they've performed. And I actually think the place that's most interesting to start is credibility with developers. Why doesn't he have it? And why do they need to rebuild it? Well, the reason the, the reason he doesn't have it is uh, first and foremost, that 2012 decision to shut off third-party developers. It be, and it wasn't, yes, all kinds of services do this, but with Twitter, it cut far more deeply. And it cut far more deeply, one, I think because of the fundamental nature of the service. Two, the fact that all developers use Twitter, like it was very personal to them, um, even ones who didn't build on Twitter. Three, everyone knew that it was developers that made Twitter. Mm. Twitter would not be the company that it was. It would not have the prospects that it did. It would not be so well-suited for mobile as it was left to its own devices. 
that was all it was third party developers that made Twitter the valuable company that it was. And it felt like Twitter was stabbing them in the back. It, that's a really interesting point. And it's it's almost I, I'd almost push to say that how many instances has Twitter developed something compelling themselves from an end user perspective? The only one really, I think, to my mind, is the native retweet, which, again, was just that they didn't. But they invent the retweet. Other people did. They put RT in front of a thing and and repost it. They were the only ones that were capable because it had to be at a system sort of level. So outside of that, it's it's honestly hard to think of anything. And most frankly, most of the new stuff they're coming up with is all crap. Right. I mean, like the 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 conversation view, like all this sort of stuff is Nothing like this, this. and it, it, an obvious. Oh, oh, it's so frustrating. Obvious stuff like why can't we have a conversation on Twitter without like there being forty seven names and leaving like you get in a multi person discussion on Twitter and like you have you can say like three words. <laughs> oh yeah. So I but I, I I feel that point is is really really important. Like they haven't from an end user perspective. This company has a history of being completely unable to develop things that are compelling. They've always relied on third parties. And that decision to cut that back off uh, back back in, when was it? 20, 2012. 2012, just like limited their ability to grow their user base, which we've discussed from an advertiser perspective is, is absolutely essential. Like that limited their ability to grow their user base so dramatically. No, absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, I mean, and it, again, they'd been they'd been around for six years at that point. Like it should have, like the pattern was was kind of set for better or worse. Uh, and again, it's it's one of those things. Like from a narrow perspective, it makes sense. It was justifiable what they did. If you're gonna, if you are going to advertise on your own, if you're gonna have an advertising based model in which advertising. The easiest and most obvious thing is to have advertising on your own and operated properties, which was Twitter.com and the Twitter app. And if that's your model, you can't afford to have people not on those properties. Like you need advertising to scale business. You need all your users on your properties. It made sense narrowly. The problem was the having the big picture perspective of one, Twitter's potential, two, Twitter's capabilities, and three, uh, the alternative ways that they could have monetized, they could have pursued. It's just a lack of vision and a lack of imagination. And Part of it's maybe, I mean, Cassell's not a founder. He's he's a guy that uh, uh, that came in from the outside. And one, I haven't seen evidence that the vision was there. And two, even if he had the vision, it's would he have been able to execute it and pull the company along? I, I, I think he could have this open one, um, but I don't know. And that, that's that that's not a reason to fire him because he wasn't a founder. It's just something to think about, right? So, I, I mean, you, you've you've kind of. We've got to the point of saying they need new leadership. Um, this kind of speaks to like what now? So let, let's say let, let's let's hypothetically say that they follow your they follow the advice that you take in the article, which is like okay, need new leadership, willing to accept that. Where does the company go from here? Well, I think we didn't talk about the other credibility issues, but oh, I think we, the I did I did skip the other three credibility. No, that's okay though. We'll talk about it now because I think the most important one is credibility with Wall Street. Mm. Because quite frankly, the company needs time. It needs time to, and particularly if they're going to pursue this more expansive vision, they need time to do that, which means they need, and a lot of that will come from who the CEO is, which means, um, number one, so I think it has to come, it has to be someone that Wall Street respects, which means it's probably not someone at Twitter. Um, Number two, they have to get credibility with developers, like which means again, it ha- I think it has to be someone who wasn't there in 2012. Even though there was a ton of internal tension at Twitter, and it was n- a lot of people inside Twitter disagreed with that decision. It doesn't matter. The optics are such, and the marketing is such that it. I think it has to be someone external. Hmm. The only problem is that potentially exacerbates the first one, which is internal credibility. Right. It's a. Nasty. It's a nasty dilemma to solve. Uh, so I do have I do have a name for you. Oh, do you now? The only problem, and this is actually going to be the case with anyone who is a potential for this mm. role, is that they're probably already in a role that this would be a, a arguably a step down. 
Oh. Um, Cheryl Sandberg. Wow. Wow. Credibly with Wall Street for sure. Mm-hmm. Like she'll get two, three years easy. I mean, if Mar- Marissa Meyer can get a few years, like Cheryl Sandberg will get that like times three. Um, credibility number two. Uh, the credibility with developers like she has enough authority and awareness like she can credibly say like things are different now i don't know if they will be different but i think she will have enough credibility with developers that like at least some will give will give them a chance and then internally i mean there's a certainly the aspect of someone from facebook we don't want to do that that that's kind of the big question the question is one um as far as impact on the world twitter has huge potential but CEO of Facebook is not bad, right? Um, especially when you uh, CEO of Facebook. Do you mean CEO of Twitter? No, no C. So COO of oh, Facebook. I, sorry, is, I isn't bad said, as far as it. Yeah, no. Sorry, I, I thought you said CEO of Facebook. I was like, no, it's fine. It's probably a good clarification. <laughs> um, uh, and then the the other issue is my whole argument is Twitter needs to be the opposite of Facebook, right? And would she understand and appreciate that? But um, she's a smart lady. Yeah, she's a smart lady. That's a really interesting suggestion. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting you to say that, but in terms of, in terms of definitely, I mean, I think that point around, uh, I think the point around getting time from wall street is a really good one because to, to start to, ch- I mean, the, the company has been running a marathon by sprinting every lap. It, it's just been so focused on those earnings reports and, and the examples you gave of how they've done that time and time again. And in doing so, that they're not doing particularly well. And giving them giving the company time to reset and and to breathe, I think is a great one. And there's no doubt that someone like that would someone like Sheryl Sandberg would be able to deliver that. I also think uh that that that, you know, this is a very bold move. And I think developers would stand up and take notice as well. Yep. The other, I think, obvious name is Ev Williams. I and was thinking that as well. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he has the founder authority. Again, um, he left before the 2012 decision. So he's kind of representative of the old open Twitter yeah. and could, you know, and he could theoretically get the internal buy-in to head in this new direction. The only question is, I don't know how, like how many scars are still left from all the infighting and all that. I, I, I suspect most of those people are probably gone at this point. Um, and maybe people too would just be so burnt out and scarred that like, if there's an, like, I, I don't know where he fell in this argument about the advertising thing. Like, like I said, he wasn't there. And if he can credibly, if he opposed it at the time and if he can walk in now and say, okay, now we tried it that way. Now let's try it this way. And like, I'm Ev Williams <laughs> and like yeah. I built blogger and, and, and Twitter. And yeah, I mean, we'll, who knows what media will be, but it's, it's gotten some sort of traction for sure. Uh, he would be very compelling as well. The que- the big question I think with that is the wall street. Credit yeah. Credit. I was about to say that he, he has a, a history of of fantastic exits. He doesn't have a history of taking over a company at the stage that Twitter's at and delivering results. Yep. No, financial sure. results. Yep. And and the question is, will Wall Street, you know, will he be lumped in with what's happening now uh, as well, which would kind of exacerbate that. So there was one other, there was one other possible outcome that you mentioned at the end of the article, which was, which was somewhat different from, somewhat different from finding a big name to come back in the helm. And that is, that is that the company potentially gets acquired. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of the, um, it's not at this, like you asked me two, three years ago, I would have, to me, this would have been like the worst option Mm. at this point. I think I almost feel like it's no longer the worst option. It's an option. Mm. Uh, the obvious candidate, I mean, everyone has talked about it because it's obvious is Google. And they both prov- they both fix problems for each other in a pretty fundamental way. Um, for Twitter, Google, like they can have shelter. They can they don't need to worry about making money in the short term. Like they can open up, or you know, they can they can execute this sort of plan uh, with and have the freedom to do it. Um, from Google's perspective, I've written about in peak Google in particular, they don't really have a stream like they don't have a place that people live in and obviously twitter is that for 
some portion of people. And if Twitter could execute and reach that many more people and be the protocol underlying it, like you talk about Twitter being the internet, Google is very much the internet as well. Mm. And, and there's a very uh, powerful alignment as far as business model and the way that they might monetize between those two services. Like it would be, a, it, it's one of those things that almost makes too much sense. Uh, again, I, I'm, wary of that much more in my life and of the internet broadly going to Google. And that bothers me from a personal perspective, but boy, from a business perspective, it makes a lot of sense. The, um, yeah. And, and this, uh, you think about whether they would be okay with Twitter stepping back from controlling everything and then in, in, in going to a model more where it's open, where the, the stream is available for other people and they take that data and they use it for advertising outside of the stream I, that would be very compatible with Google's approach to things. Absolutely. No, I mean, you you take all that data, you feed it in a double click and there are already display offerings and all that sort of stuff. It's It makes so much sense. Um, the, the big issue, frankly, is that even with the massive, like Twitter, it was down 19% yesterday and 9% today. Mm. Um, that's a rough two-day stretch. It's still a $27 billion company. And frankly, there's it, it doesn't justify that given its current financials. And its current leadership, arguably, Google is probably have to pay thirty-five billion, forty billion. Uh, that's a lot of money. Um, that said, like, so one, I don't that I don't think it will happen. But two, even if it's forty billion dollars, I think Google should do it. Like that. That's that's how much I believe that their lack of a stream and lack of being where people live on the internet instead of being a, like what they are is utility kind of utility. Yeah. Um, I, I actually think in the very long run, it, it, it would be worth it. Well, you, your, your fundamental argument from Pete Google is that they, they are great at uh, the, the direct response type advertising, but they fail terribly at the, the brand advertising. Your, your observation about Twitter is that their their direct response advertising isn't doing it all well. Their brand advertising is holding up remarkably well, but it doesn't have uh, it doesn't have long term potential because it doesn't have enough users. It seems that they solve each other's problems so well. Well, I mean, Twitter Google doesn't get Twitter more users necessarily. I mean, in the best case scenario, it it freeze Twitter to pursue this more open strategy exactly. that would get more users. Right. Um, the, the problem is would Google really tolerate that? Like, cause I mean, unfortunately over the last couple of years, their history of open APIs and all that sort of stuff is been disappointing relative to what it was earlier in the company's history. And, and if they just bought Twitter for Twitter as it is for sure, that would be, a waste of money. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, would they buy Twitter and allow Twitter to reach the sort of potential that we've articulated here on, on this podcast? Mm. I, it, I, 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 so it's one of these things I hear people saying, Oh, Apple should buy Tesla. And it's, it's, it's easy to move pieces around the chessboard when you're talking about these, uh, when you're a pundit and you're talking about these massive, massive companies. And I naturally hesitate to do it, but I, Totally agree with your logic, and yes, yeah, to buy it as it is now makes no sense. But to buy it and um, uh, un, un, uh, unleash, yeah, unleash it. But I was like uh, to 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 almost detach it from the need to make money in the short run and to be so controlling and to let developers at all that information that rests in the stream to find ways of making it easy and engaging for users to get in to to drive new user growth and to come up with use cases that haven't been imagined yet and how that could potentially impact Google's um, future from a uh, brand advertising perspective. It just makes so much sense. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. I think the next, the next, you know, six to nine months are going to be very, very interesting. Um, very interesting. I, I think we almost made it through an entire podcast without saying that. Oh crap! That's another one we're getting there. <laughs> but mainly you saying it. I think if I say it, it's okay. Yeah, that's true. I, I it's uh, that's true. I, I'm allowed over index, and you're allowed to be very interesting. Don't, yeah, don't you love the uh, the the uh, free advice and critiques on, on Twitter? <laughs> I, it's why it's such a useful service. One of many reasons. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Um, no, that, that's, that's what's so funny about this, right? I mean, the whole thing with Twitter yesterday, I mean, it was so classic Twitter. I mean, they could blame NASDAQ, but whatever. The, their results leaked early on Twitter. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like, it so nicely encapsulates everything about the company. Like, just a mess of execution and, like, not quite getting it right. And then, but wh- how do you spread it? How do you propagate it? How right. does it make news by the, happening on Twitter? The core idea is just so powerful. It's just so powerful. But yeah, the, the, you're right, the execution. And then, of course, you, you, uh, I, I couldn't help but like, it, it was just, I don't know, there's something matter about the fact that you were, you were talking about new leadership in that article. And I picked up on it this morning. Yeah, I get your email, but I I look for it on Twitter. I want to see what Twitter says about Ben saying that Twitter needs new leadership. No, for sure, for sure. Um, and I mean, yeah, like it, it should be a, a protocol, right? Like your twi- it may, a whole email address doesn't actually really make sense in some respects, right? Like you should your Twitter handle should be your representation over the internet, and to own identity is so unbelievably powerful. Like we talk about Facebook owning identity right. and how that gives them power in advertising. Like what if you are the identity for everything on the internet that's not Facebook? And like that's that's what Twitter should be aspiring to. And Facebook's Facebook's going for that and Google's been trying to go for that and not doing a particularly good job. I know that's and that's the that's the thing time you time is of the essence. I mean you, you hate to like be oversell it, but like Facebook is so far ahead and they're moving so quickly that like they're gonna they're gonna win it all. If and I just don't see Twitter again, it sounds silly given the relative share right now, and maybe that makes it impossible, but I don't I don't see anything as a counterweight to Facebook other than Twitter. Yeah. And yet they're the perfect counterweight to Facebook, and that's what makes it so intriguing. Mm. Mm. It will be interesting to see what shakes out over the next little while because I I, I share your feelings about I share your feelings about thinking about it like a protocol and its approach to the internet. And that whole open versus closed thing that Ev wrote really resonated with me. And like what those two services represent or could represent really, yeah. really define that distinction. Well, that's the thing. And once you're a protocol, you can build anything on a protocol, right? right? And like Twitter has to get out of the mindset that the timeline is their only service. Because frankly, I think that ship has sailed. Those 600 million people or 700 million people that have tried Twitter and left – it is way harder to get someone to try it again than to try to get someone for the first time, mm. right? And so Twitter's in par- particularly behind the eight ball when it comes to their service. And this doesn't even seem to be on the radar of their executives. I, I mean, that's not fair. That's actually not true because they did Periscope and they did Vine, mm. which are different kinds of services that people might try and thus register the Twitter account. But there should be 10 times those sorts of things, right? right. I mean, like, and it shouldn't require it shouldn't require Twitter seeing them and then buying them for this to work. It should be, there should be an ecosystem right. of this all competing, sitting on top. And by virtue of the data that's generated, that they can use that for other things. And it, it, it just becomes this momentum. But right now, it, it, it feels, I mean, another way of thinking about this is it feels like they've maintained an integrated strategy too long. Whereas it was the right approach at the start where like, okay, we can't just have a protocol with nothing to sit on top of it. You, you, you people have the timeline and that's enough to get people started. But then there's a, a point at which it needs to start going modular and you let people, re- you, you let people sit on top of it and use it and let all kinds of things flower on top as opposed to selectively picking winners, which, yeah, it's, it just yeah. hasn't worked. No, the, the, the Twitter, like Twitter, the timeline is like a minimum viable product of a minimum viable manifestation of what the Twitter protocol could be used for. And it speaks to it speaks volumes to how powerful the core idea is that their MVP has lasted as long as it has. Yeah, it has 300 million users. Like in this it's, light, in this light that 300 million user is an incredible number. It's it's nuts. When you yeah, exactly it's nuts. Hmm. I mean like if, if the minimum viable product for communication on the internet was like the old BBS forums or whatever they're called mm. um and like people like dialing like used to have to dial people don't remember this you would direct your computer to a specific server and then dial into that server mm. and then it would be like a hosted like message board and you could like talk to people and then you would disconnect and you could dial another server for a different message board. like they weren't connected together right you, you they're like these individual servers and like if that's the minimum viable product to prove that communication works on the internet and now 
that everything's connected and you have like Facebook lording it over all this. You have Snapchat and you have all these sorts of things like all those are sitting on top of the Internet. Right. And, but it started out like Twitter. Twitter is like today. It's like those those message boards. And in, in the long run, there should be Facebook type properties and Snapchat type properties and all these sorts of massive interest graphs and all this stuff that's tied together. And Twitter should be what like it's the it should be what's tied that together. And yeah. Somehow we're we're, we're we're way up in the clouds. At this well, point. we are, but uh, I mean, there aren't many things that would get me up there, uh, get either of us up there like this. But the potential of this company and seeing it wasted in this way has just been probably one of the most frustrating stories in tech over the last five years for me. Absolutely, absolutely, and and the reality is, with their current business model and by extension their current leadership, uh, what we just articulated is impossible, and and so. And now that we there's strong evidence that the business model is failing anyway, like let's just let's start over. Yeah, let's acknowledge it. And yeah. And that's why I think Twitter needs a leadership change. And just yeah, it, it was well written. It, it wasn't you weren't gunning for someone for the fun of it. It was clear that what you were writing was like it, there was reticence there and it was very well reasoned. And there wasn't a thing in it that I disagreed with. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, well, and we should, I mean, as usual, I think we, you expanded it on, on quite a bit. I think your point about Twitter being, being the internet was spot on. And I, like, I wish I, we, we, we should, we, as you suggested, we should have recorded this before. And it could have been. <laughs> I'm always up for doing it before. I, I, uh, I appreciate not wading into these discussions with you having the, the <laughs> immense advantage of having written uh, an amazing article as you always do and having thought about it so deeply. And I, I feel like I'm always playing catch up with you. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I, well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think we, we were going to talk about Microsoft and, and I think Amazon, but we, we're, we're out of time because we obviously care a lot about this. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I, I'm not sure. If, I don't think I can do it, but I'm going to try to get it up sooner rather than later mm. but if not uh we will miss the following week and we will be back uh after that sounds good all right sounds good well uh continue enjoying your time with your parents and i will talk to you in a couple weeks safe travels with your family thank you very much i'll talk to you later all right bye-bye